good things are happening. I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. It's just one of those things. I think, you know, Charlie came up and prayed for me. I said, Charlie, I have no idea what God wants to do tonight. And as Charlie goes, well, that's good, Clem. That's good. Thanks, Charlie, for all that encouragement. <laughs> so when in doubt, go to the Bible. So let's start in Luke 8, verse 18. I've got a couple little places I want to land then. We are going to minister tonight as the Spirit of God leads us. So, um, But let's be mature about it. Let's be those that are here with a heart that says, God, build your church. God, bless my brother and sister more than me. That's a tough prayer. But let's be that way. Let's, let's be mature. Let's, let's press God for a, a dynamic download of building lives because we really do want to change things in the city. You want to change things at your workplace. You want change to come, and uh, there's no better way to do it. So Jesus said this in Luke 8, 8, 10, 8, 8 18. He said, take care or take heed then how you hear. How you hear. That's my question. How do you hear? How do you hear God? Not what do you hear. It's not take heed what you hear. We got a lot of content, folks. We got teaching galore. It's not, it's not what we get to hear. It's how do you hear? What is your method of hearing God? And I want to challenge you tonight to be listening in a different way and challenge yourself. Say, God, show me, show me how I hear. Will you be able to hear not only in the teaching of the Word, but how does the Holy Spirit transact human words into something that becomes life-giving to you? To listen carefully, not to be casual, not to be kind of crossing your arms going, hurry up and get to the prophecy part, that's the only reason I'm here. It's like, you know, really, that's humility. Um, The foundation for receiving anything from God is humility, so let's make sure we're all at least there. Um, That God has certain principles on how to receive from Him. So um, you can receive a whole lot more with your spirit than you can with your mind. Your spirit is so much faster than your mind and your brain. And so um, we're in a time that we have such things like high-speed internet. I mean, those words never were put together until the last you know, number of years. And you know, we have you know, Google Fiber, and we're coming up with all this, again, language to try to describe speed, download, transfer of information, and yet nothing replaces the realm of the spirit. So everyone can hear the Word of God. It's not a matter of intelligence. There's one Bible, one capacity, one speed. God never wrote a children's edition. Isn't that interesting? God never wrote a children's edition of the Bible. It's one Bible, one capacity, because your spirit is faster than your mind. So take heed, understand how you hear. What's your method? I just wanted you to open up with that tonight and how God's going to stream inside of you. We kind of understand a little bit more about it because we understand downloading from the internet and we understand streaming. You know, that a message starts somewhere and it streams and we capture it and we, it, it transacts and we download it. And so that's what happens when the Word of God begins to touch your inner man. There's a stream from heaven to earth and uh, it uniquely tells you something that you, you don't... See, the, the preacher's talking, but the Holy Spirit's downloading something to you. And it's amazing. Only He can do that. So I'll just keep talking, but the Holy Spirit's going to keep streaming inside of you. We're not here for information. You can get information and never hear God. We want to hear God say something to us. So last night we got into this idea that the crisis is here. God is in it. And my mandate more recently is get the body ready. Get the bride ready. 
because it's inescapable. What's happening in our earth is inescapable. It's all around us. It's in every nation. These teams that are going out from Mount Helena and other churches, they're seeing it in a whole different delivery system in other nations. So as we track the state of the crisis, no matter what's happening politically, we realize it's not a political thing. Could it be, two questions, could it be that we're seeing prophetic pointers that are saying we're moving toward finality? Could it be? I think so. I don't know any other thing that's come to my heart about why all this is happening and why nobody can fix it. Could it be? And maybe, secondly, are we already deep, deep into the end game, heading toward the finish, and we're just now waking up to that? (laughs) I mean, are we actually kind of, is the Holy Spirit waking us out of maybe spiritual slumber to say, wake up, church, arise, shine, like we heard last night. Lift up your head, straighten up, lift up your head, your redemption's drawing nigh. There's got to be somebody that alerts the body to all this. Not doomsday. It's not chicken little. <laughs> Sky's fine. It's Paul Revere. Jesus is coming. Our redemption's drawing nigh. So I want you to go to Revelation chapter 18. Some of you are going, oh, good. I love it when a preacher says, turn to the book of Revelation. Arr, apocalypse, end time. Well, just some thoughts here, but... Um, Everything that's happening is an integral part of our movement toward the finish. We're all going somewhere. We're all going the same place. We're all in Him. Christ is like a massive vortex sucking everything into Himself, and that's called finality. So we're all moving in that, and we have to have signs. We have to see. We have to be able to perceive so that we can not only survive, but we can take as many with us as possible. That's the goal. That's why we send teams out, not only internationally, but that's why you leave here. We don't lock you in here on Sunday and say, just stay here, safe here. We'll bring food in until next Sunday. We send you out. So Revelation 18 talks about the fall of Babylon, Babylon being a world system, describing Antichrist. It's also known as Antichrist. So let's just look at this for just a minute, Revelation 18.1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority... The earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice. This is what he says. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. Let's make Babylon great again. Anyway, it doesn't look good for Babylon. We need to have a prayer meeting. Something's coming down, the angel said, from another dimension. Do we understand things are going to come down to us because everything's planned and done in heaven? Something's coming down from another dimension. I saw another angel coming down from another dimension, heaven. What's happening, what's going to happen, how we move to the finish will never be birthed in the earth. It's coming from another dimension. It's coming from God himself. It's a divine frequency that It mandates that we be prophetic. We have to pick up the frequency of what God is executing. Otherwise, we will be clueless. Otherwise, we're going to totally misinterpret what God is doing. I saw another angel coming down from heaven. Watch. Having great authority. These are are powerful words that John was getting his download when he was writing this. Powerful divine authority. Legislation coming out of heaven. Great illumination, watch. Having great authority, and the earth was what? Highly illuminated. It was made bright 
with His glory. And there's an assessment coming from this download. And this one is not just kind of look, observing quietly. Watch. He's shouting something very loud. See, end time things are going to be shocking to us. They're going to rattle our senses. They're going to rattle normality. This one is shouting something. And with a mighty voice, he called out. And I'm getting emotional, but this is how we got to read Scripture sometimes. Like, and with a mighty voice, I'm having great authority. Oh, it's bright glory. And he called out with a mighty voice. Fallen, fallen, fallen. It's Babylon the Great. Uh, and uh, just check my email. We sometimes get skimming. I'm guilty as anybody. Skimming my, de- skim through, get through, check the thing. I got boxes now I get to click, and it keeps track of what I've read. It's really hard. <laughs> I miss more than I thought I used to miss. But you start reading the stuff for what it really is, and that's like, take heed. How, how, do you, how do you hear this? How do you hear John transferring this stuff? Is he shouting? Does this scripture shout at you? He called out with a mighty voice. There's cues in here. Because he's shouting into systems of the earth. These three air, these are systems. The Babylonian system, the world system. He's shouting what? Disruption and chaos. Not like, hang in there. The Christians are praying. It's going to be okay. We're going to make Babylon great again. Shouting into the systems, shouting disruption and chaos, speaking into these Babylonian systems of the earth. It's a system that, by look at the language, it's been overtaken by powers of darkness. Satanic principles, fallen as Babylon the Great, she has become what? Dwelling place for demons. Can anybody say, I agree? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yes. A haunt for every unclean spirit. Unclean spirits? We used to be able to ignore them, now they're everywhere. A haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. This is strong language. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon. Watch this. For in a single hour your judgment has come. Do you know how fast God can move when He wants to move? you know how fast God can do stuff when He's ready? I think we're all going to be in shock how fast God swiftly moves and gets the church into position. And it seems like, yes, a lifetime for those of us that have made us this far. It's like... When? But he uses strong language in here. Verse 10, just skip over to verse 10. Use a strong language to define this in a single hour. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, you great city. Verse 11, the merchants of the earth. Now, interesting how he ties in the economies. The merchants of the earth, what is that? Includes every economy in the world. The EU, the European Union, everything, all the stock markets. We have to start looking at this in a real way. The merchants of the earth, what? Rejoice because Donald Trump got elected and the stock market went up. Ping, let's make, you understand? How we perceive it in one way, like this is good and everything's fine now. Let's just get back to normal. There is no more normal. You read the Bible enough and you start looking at end time things. There is no normal. It's not normal. That's why somebody has to herald to the church, church, listen, it's not going to be normal, (laughs) okay? And we're desperately trying to make it, if we could just have a revival, get everybody saved and the churches would be full and then let's all go back to normal. There is no more normal. Normal is this. Normal is where we're headed, okay? And it's not normal because we've never been this way before. So here we go, talking about 
the economies of the earth, the merchants of the earth, weep and mourn for her. Since no one buys their cargo anymore. Oops. I said last night, we're going to be in shock. There's going to be trade wars. Price of oil, isn't it astounding how low it's been all these many, 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 many months? Why? They're not buying oil like they used to. They're whining. They're weeping. The oil merchants are weeping. Economic systems, consumerism is being attacked, economic chaos, whatever you want to call it. No one buys their cargoes anymore. Why? Because no one in the earth can actually control something when God's moving. This is the thing frustrating to the world. They, they think they can control God. You can't control God because He moves in another dimension. He legislates from heaven what He wants to happen in earth. But it's a sign what? God is here. See, when this stuff happens, we don't freak out, like I said, and cry chicken little. The sky is falling. We're going, God's moving. God's here. Hey, everybody, wake up. God is moving in the nations of the earth. Wake up. God is here. This is what happened. I kept using the analogy. I'll use it again tonight. The whole idea, like the plagues in Egypt. It wasn't like, oh, no. It's like, God is here. Moses, (laughs) tell him what? I'm here. Go tell Pharaoh what? I'm here. Look out, Pharaoh. Look out. That That was like ancient Babylon. Pharaoh represents earthly systems. He says, I'm here. God was there. Get your eyes beyond natural sight because you won't perceive it with your natural sight is what he's saying. When the earth begins to mourn, watch this. The merchants of the earth, they weep and mourn. When the earth begins to mourn, we don't go, poor world, those poor people. That's not our reaction. We don't mourn because of what they're going through. When the earth begins to mourn, what we learned last night, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, the merchants of these wares, it says, verse 15. Skip, I'm, just kind of, I'm, skipping through and I'm skipping through this so we can just pick up language because this is how we fine-tune ourselves. You say, Jesus said, take heed how you hear. How do you hear language like this when it's not your normal gospel reading? And it may not be your proverb of the day, but this language shouts at us. Now it's shouting. It's like God's turning the volume up on certain passages and end-time thinking. So in verse 15, for instance, the merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her, oh, there will be wealth. Wealth won't go away because God's going to... Suddenly they will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Hmm. You know why? I told you the stories of what's happening in the south of England and now Wales and in other places. It's not limited there. It's just a sign. The harvest is here. If we don't catch that by the Spirit of God, and all this stuff... That's why we can't be hiding, fearful. We can't be, oh no, it's like the harvest. It's time to reap. And the devil wants nothing more than to get the church to back off, shut down, and hold on till this thing blows over. Instead, we turn it up because the time to reap has come. The harvest of the earth is ripe. Because, how do we know? Because of the productivity of iniquity. When iniquity rises, hello, God moves. He doesn't, he doesn't bow to that thing. He doesn't bow to this stuff in Babylon. My God, He is in charge. It proves that the system is collapsing. That's what happened in Egypt. God came in and collapsed the system, the system that held His people in bondage. God came in and says, watch this. Watch me do this. Moses, just, Moses, just talk. I'll do the rest. 
That's what God's saying. Just talk. Just keep telling people what God is doing. God will do all the rest. Like the morning in Egypt, crying, mourning, frogs, flies, locusts, I can't take it anymore. Weeping and mourning. Was it? God's here. That's the shout. God is getting close, very close. And so the events that move us towards the finish, every event that God is orchestrating, you can't fix it. And like I said last night, you can't pray it away. You better be finding out what God is praying. You find out what Jesus is praying. You find out what the Holy Spirit is praying, and you join them. Because there's something going on here that's moving the body where in absolute migration, and I'm going to talk about that tomorrow morning. But what is it that's going to galvanize the church? We talked about that also last night. What's going to bring ultimate unity? What's going to galvanize us and strengthen us in these times? What is it that pulled a bunch of disorganized slaves together, galvanized them, and caused them to move in one direction toward final exit? What was it? It was a clash of proclamations. When things start clashing, think it not strange when you're out witnessing and you're making proclamations about the kingdom of God and God's power and all these things. There's a, that's a clash of proclamations. You're proclaiming the kingdom. Babylon is screaming. Devastation, destruction, immorality. Pharaoh was screaming at Moses. He was mad. How dare you? No, I won't let your people go. Yeah, you got to let them go. God says let them go. All right, I'll let them go. No, I won't change my mind. This clash was just bringing desperation. I think it's okay to be desperate. I think it's okay that these times cause a little more desperation in the body of Christ. That we desperately want to go to a nation and share the gospel. We desperately want to see someone healed. We desperately want to see young women rescued out of sex trafficking all over the world. We desperately want to see rescue. That's what was happening in the people. Suddenly they were desperate to get out of Egypt. They tolerated for 430 years. Do you mention that? We're talking 10 plus generations in slavery. And finally, God caused desperation in their hearts. God caused it. So the presence of this growing chaos is an indication of my favorite thing, the sovereignty of God. It just indicates that God is in control. God is absolutely sovereign. And those who are aware of that are going to be required then to lead the way. We're going to be required to walk through the crisis. That's it. What did he require of his children? Hide in their slave master's house? No. He said, get moving. I want you to walk through this crisis. You know, they walked right through the crisis. And the greatest one, the last thing was the death angel came, right? Wow. It got deep. It got heavy. It came toward the finish. And suddenly, they had to follow directions like never before. I'm not good at it either, but you know what? As we move towards the finish, we must be very, very clear about what God is requiring. The children of Israel had to really know what it was that God required. So he was very specific as they went towards the end. When God's final confrontation came with darkness, and he sent literally a death angel It wasn't frivolous, and it wasn't anything about materialism. It was, you better know what God's requiring. You better know how to dress. You better know what to eat. 
you better know how fast to eat it, and you better have blood on your front door, not your back door. This isn't time for a committee, and we open it up to voting. I don't care if you think you're allergic to lamb. It's going to be lamb's blood. <laughs> but I'm allergic to lamb. Let's use goat's blood. What's the difference? Can you imagine that kind of mindset? What's the difference? We just painted the front of our house. I'm not going to put blood on the front door. We'll put it on the back door. We'll leave a window open. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. This is the kind of thinking that God's reshaping with deep intensity that we have to be prophetic. We have to hear what God's saying. We have to follow the now instructions of God because it's correcting our course. (laughs) It's no longer, I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. Not if you want to get out. (laughs) Not if you want to leave with everybody else. God's instructions to Israel in the crisis were very clear. Let me just give you an example out of Exodus 12, 12. Exodus 12, 12. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all all the gods of Egypt, I'm going to execute judgments. I am the Lord, just in case you're thinking the devil was doing this. Ah, the devil! No, I'm doing it. God over said, I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. (laughs) I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, how do you deal with that? How does your prayer life shape around that mandate that God brings when he's saying, I have a plan to move my people into the promised land, which again is all symbolic for the church. So how do we mm, interpret firstborns dying? How do we interpret judgment on the gods of Egypt? How do we interpret something happening already in heaven that comes and begins to break principalities and powers? You can shanda bakaya all you want, but God himself has to break these forces. Yes, he'll use us. But he says this, which is I love. I will pass over you. Folks, it's a really great term. It's a powerful concept in God's economy, passing over. Every time God started using Passover language, there was a massive change in his governmental legislations. When Jesus ate the final Passover meal, he did it not to be religious. He did it to say, I'm about to bring a new government to the earth. You're going to see everything change. So when he's getting us ready for something like this, he's saying everything's going to change. I'm going to break these principalities and powers. I'm going to pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you, but I am going to strike Egypt. I am. Do you see, do you understand how your witness to this begins to cause people to be desperate? Do you believe in God? I believe in a lot of gods. Really? Let me make you desperate. (laughs) you go to heaven when you die? I don't know, heaven, hell, it doesn't exist. Let me make you desperate then. How do you handle guilt? How do you handle, you know, when you witness to the Japanese, the Japanese don't believe in heaven or hell, so you can't start with the two diagnostic questions. <laughs> do you believe you go to heaven when you die? Because there is no heaven. Okay, let's, uh, let's see, let's, let's rethink this now if you don't believe in heaven. So you deal with, you deal with sin. You deal with guilt. So how do you resolve the mistakes you've made? How do you deal with guilt? They don't know. They honestly don't. They, just, they live in a culture that is built around shame and guilt, and they use it as a force to 
to control and manipulate people. It's, it's, it's wicked. See, it's all demonic. That all comes from the enemy. You understand this. It's, it's these principalities that are behind all these things. And yet, God comes in and says, watch what I'm going to do. God gives us continual patterns for living in the midst of Babylon. God told his people, this is how I want you to live. God tells us, this is the kind of churches I want on the planet. These are the kind of families I want so that they can live through the crisis and come out resourced, full of God, where people go, wow, how do you do it? What's your secret? Can you pray for me? I mean, this stuff's happening. Crisis and chaos go together. (laughs) Crisis and chaos in the earth is God's plan. If not, that whole story's bunk. It means nothing. I will strike down every firstborn. There will be war and crisis, yeah, in the heavenlies. I'm going to bring a fundamental understanding of this. And yet, in all of this, God gives solution. See, God's not up there going, good luck, everybody. Try to figure it out. He goes, I have a solution for all this. The blood (laughs) will be a sign on your house. Notice how he flips back and forth in that little change in Exodus between, I will do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, but you need to do this. We have a part. You do this, the blood will be a sign, and you'll be okay. Well, it assumes there's going to be some kind of capacity within us to obey Him. There will be some kind of capacity that He's stirring for us to hear Him. Say, that was God, and I must obey what He's saying in this hour. We have to be deeply prophetic. We can't just have prophetic meetings. We have to live prophetically. This is a prophetic season in the church like none I've ever experienced in 35 years. We have to be guided by God in what we say to our family. We have to be guided by God in how we live our life behind our front door. We have to say, you know, it's not up to one gift or one event to hear what God's saying. We have to hear Him every day. So our cry is, God, open my eyes. Not give that guy a prophetic word for me. It's, Lord, open my eyes. I need to see. Again, Paul prayed for Ephesian Christians. God, open the eyes of their heart that they would be enlightened, that they may know the hope of their calling. That's got to be a continuous prayer of our, our hearts. God, I need to know the hope of my calling. Why did you call me into the kingdom? And what hope do I have in the midst of a crisis? Where is our hope? Where's your hope sit? Where does it sit? It's getting down to the point, God's given us so much grace. I don't know about you, but I look back at my life, it's like, man, God was ultra merciful, long-suffering, extended a lot of grace when I didn't deserve it. But we're coming to a place that we have to be obedient like never before. I don't think I'll put blood on my door. Go ahead. I just don't bear witness. Good luck with that one. Um, Crisis purifies the church. We have tons of testimonies about that. You've spent any time in the underground church in China. <laughs> Crisis purifies things. It's happening in the Middle East. There's a massive underground church movement in Afghanistan. You don't know about it because it's life or death. So we worked with a guy, Michael Fletcher does and others, that had nine members of his team last year martyred. Nine. Nine teammates martyred in the Middle East because of what they're doing. Crisis purifies. God is concerned. How I many know God has a requirement? This is weird, but God has a requirement 
for the number of martyrs he wants. Now, what kind of a God does that? I don't know, and I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going to question him. Do we get to bring God to question? In case you don't know the answer to that, I suggest reading the book of Job. Just in case you think you got one up on God, you can challenge his character and his nature. See, God's heart is a heart of redemption. And there's something significant because his own son was a martyr. And the church started on suffering. And then we had Stephen. And then on and on it goes. And it's just going on. And if you're in tune with any kind of reporting system, there's, martyrdom is just going on and going on. And it's not going to get... It's not going to... You can't pray it away when God says, I must have this certain number. <laughs> Revelation 9. I want this certain number... They've got to be in there. God's got numbers. God's into numbers. You say numbers doesn't matter. Yeah, it matters. Sorry, Revelation 6, 9. 6, 9. Just, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they bore. And they cried out with a loud voice too. See, we're going we're gonna to get into a shouting match who can shout louder? Let me just tell you who's going to win. Heaven's got an amplifier that will blow your sockets. So the cries are coming, and our job is to echo back unto God what he's crying from heaven into us. Because the children of Israel, eventually they cried out unto God. So here we have the martyrs crying out with a loud voice. Watch. Oh, sovereign Lord. I love that term. Oh, sovereign Lord. And I was like, you know that this happened. You are involved in this. Oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell in the earth? Do you understand there's stuff going on between heaven and earth all the time, and we are so unaware of it? I admit it. I am too. I read this, and I'm going, my God, this is going on right now, and I'm watching basketball. But there's exchange going on. And it's not that it's wrong to watch basketball. It's just that we need to stay aware. Stuff is happening in the spirit world right now. How long before you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell in the earth? And they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until, watch, the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete. The number that God has in mind who were to be killed as they themselves had. Does this resonate with you? Anybody want to just worship? Doesn't float our boat, does it? Doesn't make me ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. This is not a charismatic moment. This is like, wow, God, this is sovereignty at its best. It is dripping with the sovereign plan of God for the ages, and we don't have a clue sometimes. We kind of go, God, how does this line up with what I'm living in? He says, I'm purifying things. I'm concerned with these details. I'm concerned about the detail. There has to be a right number, and then I come requirements in every area of life. So, God sets up a clash. The final battle, the final clash, Moses again is our operating system. Moses was just a frequency. Yeah, he was a person. But understand, and, and the mind of God says, I'm going to use Mo. He's just a frequency of my proclamation and how I'm going to use him to move into the earth and dismantle darkness and bring to the finish what I want with my children. And so, he sets up this amazing clash. Don't you wish you had a video? I mean, don't you wish you could look at what they were doing going, my God. He took them to the border. They saw things over the border. They saw giants. They saw grapes. They were carrying them back. They got to touch stuff. They came back. All this stuff going on. What was going through their mind? 
They touched the powers of the world to come in their, we call it maybe ignorance, but they were smart people because they saw into another dimension. They, God brought them right to the border. Do you understand how close we're getting? And it's not like from here to here physically. It's a spiritual border that we're living on the edge of. And the closer we get to the edge of the border, the more we see into the next dimension. And guess what? We get confident and we get powerful and we hear God like never before. And we move when God says to move. And it's like, wow, God, knowing, as Peter said, this. I'm going to close with this. Second Peter 3. This will help set you up. You have to understand <laughs> some of these things. And I've never been drawn into it in all my Christian life and equipping and pastoring and traveling, all these things, I've never been so drawn by the Holy Spirit into some of these particular scriptures that are, I know what God told me, get the bride ready. We have to get ready, but we get to, I think we're going to get glimpses of what's on the other side. It's happening. The dream world, God is in charge of the dream world of humans and how he's visiting. You know, Muslims are getting saved in their dreams. They wake up and go, my God, I need to receive Jesus. It's like, well, God, why don't you just do that and get it over with? Am I the only one that's ever actually had that thought? Well, if you could just save them in their sleep, why don't you, what do you need us for? <laughs> I actually thought that. It's like, just get it over with. One night, big dream, we're done. That'd be nice, right? Peter, 2 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4. Knowing this, we've got to know things that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened that we may know things we've never known before. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. If we can't say we're living that, you haven't been, in, you haven't been on planet Earth. You're totally un... You're like, this is what we've been just really seeing, the rise of mocking and scoffing at everything. Yeah, some call it Facebook, but anyway... <clears throat> They will say on their social media, where's the promise of His coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all these things are just continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. You know, that's the challenge. That's the voice of the end. This is the stuff of this. The mocker and the scoffer is going to keep rising up. Ah, same old, same old. Scoffers and mockers are going to come. See, the enemy has to release the mockers. He has to. He has to push back. I was saying that last night. He has to push back against what God's doing. That's what he does. So he gets paid for. Kidding. Um, that's his job. Because <laughs> he knows something is coming. This is a sign. Know this, first of all. Scoffers will come in the last days. The enemy is releasing the mocker. He mocks Christianity. He mocks our principles. He mocks everything we stand for. And the mockers are not politically correct, by the way. And they just, and it says they can't proclaim that the end time is coming. They want us to think nothing has changed. Same old, same old. We'll be here for another million years because the earth is a 35 billion years old. It's just going to go on and on and on and on and on. Same old, same old, same old cycle. The economy will come back. It's just a matter of time. Everything repeats itself. Mock, 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 mock. He says, know this, everybody. Be aware. I am going to go to one more scripture just to understand what we kind of draft off of last night. The writer of Hebrews said this in chapter 12. Hebrews 12, 26, at that time his voice shook the earth. And when God talks, he has a very great PA system. And when he turns it up, it's going to be undeniable. 
At that time, his voice shook the earth, but see, now he promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, it indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. What did we learn last night? Where are we positionally? Where are we in reality? We're in the Holy of Holies with Christ. It's the one piece of furniture that can't be shaken, the throne of God, the mercy seat of God. That's where we are. And he's promised, yeah, I'm going to shake things one more time. But you know what? You're going to make it. I'm going to make it. The church can't be shaken. Just like the children says, don't worry about it. You will not die. I'm going to pass over. <laughs> You're going to be fine. You're going to get through. You're going to make it to the finish. What's unshakable in you tonight? Do you sense it? Is, how are you hearing the word of the Lord? How, take heed. How do you hear these kind of words coming off of the pages of Scripture? And how do you answer the question, well, what is unshakable? What is it within us? So it's not about your bank account or the cars you drive or any of this external stuff. It's the internal structures that God is building. And you sometimes don't even know it until you come through some kind of crisis. And you look back and say, I don't know how I got through that, but I got through it. And then something inside of you is totally different than it was before. Unshakable. It's a massive, strategic initiative in the earth right now to bring the saints into full functioning maturity. That's what God's up to. That's why this move of evangelism, it's nameless. There's no big name. It's faceless. It's a move of the saints. This is the final move of maturity, a body that's moving together in one direction. That was the children. Finally, they became mature, and they began moving in the same direction. Boom. Strong families, joyful families, not crying out about materialism and blessing, personal blessing. The cry is, God, make us resilient in times of crisis. That's going to capture a heck of a lot of attention, <laughs> more than your prosperity testimony. But you Hey, they were blessed. When they left, they were blessed, by the way. So, there's rapid movement in the church. And we're moving off this whole blessing, personal blessing thing. We're coming into great. I'm seeing much more maturity. I'm seeing much more people think, how do we build? How can we sacrifice? How can we get to the finish? How can we get this done? Maturity. Building. These concepts, maturity. Building. Strong partnership with God. Sacrificial leadership. All these things are coming into a total focus because God's at work and He's moving. So, how did you hear tonight? What's unshakable in you? What kind of words are you prepared to hear? It's going to be different, folks. It has to be. Crisis? Yeah. You know the water that wiped out all the people in the days of Noah? That water that destroyed was also what lifted the ark up and saved. Same water. Right? God's movement. About judgment on who he wanted to bring judgment, and he saved those that were in the ark. The same crisis. The crisis that killed was the crisis that saved. Do you understand that? How God can do that and nobody else can? Let's really lift our hands to heaven in a real way. Let's switch frequencies right now. As an act of your will, I will 
lift my hands, the psalmist said. We lift our hands to say, I switch frequencies tonight, God. There's something above my hands that I acknowledge, and it's you. We're switching channels. We're getting off of the earth frequency for a little bit more tonight. We look to heaven. We, we stand up. We whew, lift up our heads because our redemption's drawing nigh. What gives us energy is not here in this earth. What gives us energy is the Lord Most High. What gives us energy is sight of Him. When we see Him, He downloads something of Himself. We have to receive from above. We have to. We direct our spirits up. What is your exchange right now with heaven? What is going on in you? That's where God is doing something. What's unshakable in you right now? What are you receiving from God right now? See, this is what we're training the church to do. Get it from God yourself. We talked to the prophetic group today and they said, you know, the whole goal of God is to get you hearing from God for yourself. Then we can give it to those that need a divine connection. Then we can go out and we can move in a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. We can pray for the sick and see the gift. Why? They don't have access. They need yours. They need mine. The lost and dying world needs your access. So connect. Connect. Get something above you tonight. Draw on God's resources tonight. Receive from above. He's shouting. He's shouting. It's our job to direct our spirit heavenward. It's our job to lift up our heads. It's our job to position ourselves. We take a prophetic stance. We say, God, give us a word. Not just bless me. God, give us a proceeding word. How do we proceed? In spite of everything else, how do we proceed? That's what we want. That's what we need.